lovely wife uh, to come up, and she is going to uh, share some thoughts with you for just a few moments. And so if you would honor her as she comes this morning with another hand clap of appreciation. Praise the Lord, Grace Church. It's so good to be here, so good to be home. Uh, it's so good to see friends and family and to see some new faces. That's what it's about, growing the kingdom. Amen. Uh, we are so thankful to be here today. Uh, we brought the weather because we're just nice like that. You're welcome. We wanted to do that for y'all just as a little gift. Um, hope it stays. Hope it doesn't go back with us. <laughs> but uh, first of all, I want to say how much we love and appreciate Pastor and Sister Murphy. Um, if we are success in ministry, it is hu hugely in part due to the investment this couple has made into our lives over the last 20 plus years. And we love them and we appreciate them and we take them with us to Jeff City. When we set up our chairs for service, they have to be lined up on the line in our floor because we took pastor with us. <laughs> but uh, we're so thankful for them and the love and the, the care that they show us. They check on us often. They rejoice with us and uh, give us good advice and wise counsel, and we love them and honor them this morning very much. And next, I want to thank the worship team for singing my absolute favorite song, Waymaker. That is our testimony that resonates through our home. He is our Waymaker. He has been a miracle worker in the last year. He has been a peace speaker in our home and in our ministry. And as as things begin to unfold in Jefferson City. And I love that song because it just is my reminder that God is in control. He is in control. And uh, so I thank them for that. And I want to say to our wor the worship team, I love you guys. I miss you very, very much. One of the greatest needs that church planters have is skilled musicians and singers. And so Grace Church is very, very blessed to have the talent, the gifting, the anointing that is on this platform week after week. So make sure you give these people a pat on the back and a thank you. Yes, yes. You're very blessed, very blessed. Our worship team consists of a Spotify and a Bluetooth speaker and a very um, willing worship leader. <laughs> which is me, if you didn't get that. But uh, I am willing. What I, what I lack in gifting, I make up for in, in uh, enthusiasm. So, But we're thankful for what God has blessed us with, so very, very thankful. I also want to thank you for your giving. I know Grace Church is a giving church. You give throughout the year. You've blessed our family specifically. But I also wanted to share with you that there are offerings that you give to throughout the year that their portion of those offerings is designated for North American missions. We are a North American missions church. So when you give to offerings such as Mother's Memorial, She's for Christ, Christmas for Christ especially, a portion of those offering, offerings assist church planners throughout North America. There's an emergency fund. If something were to happen very unexpected, there's funds that we could get to very quickly. There's property grants. There's personal assistance. Our boys can attend camp at no cost. Brother Marilyn and I can attend conferences at no cost. 
And it is because churches like Grace give to North American missions. And you have invested in the kingdom. So often we think of missions as something that's overseas or outside of the country. But throughout North America, there are counties and cities that desperately need a church. In, Jeffer- in our area, in East Tennessee, we can drive literally 45 miles and not find one apostolic truth-teaching church. That's East Tennessee. That's not somewhere across the ocean or on another continent. That's East Tennessee. So your giving enables church planners like us to go into these cities that desperately need a church and to plan a church and begin to cultivate seeds and to reach people with the gospel. So thank you for giving. Thank you, Grace Church. So for every jambalaya dinner you buy, every Coke float you drink, every cake you outbid pastor for at the cake auction, (laughs) Um, all of that blesses North American missions and blesses our family. So thank you for giving. Not long after we arrived in Jefferson City, we were telling someone our story of how God had kind of brought us from here in Central, from our church home of 20-plus years, to a little town in East Tennessee that we had never even heard of, where we knew no one, and uh, didn't really know what God was going to do there. But God opened one door after another, and we were telling this person that, and the person we were telling is a much more seasoned church planter. They've been on this road a long time. And he looked at both of us, and he said very soberly, someone has been praying for you to come. And that broke me to think that someone out there was praying for a church, for someone to come. Our first day in Tennessee was November 1st, our first official day there. And on November 30th, I received a text from Sister Bonnie McGee. Sister Bonnie, would you raise your hand? Sister Bonnie has been a member of Grace Church for several years now. And she asked if we were close to a city called Morristown. Let me explain how close we are to Morristown. If Jeff City is Watson, Morristown is Denham Springs. That's how close we are to, this, to Morristown. And I said, yes, absolutely. It's just the town north of us. We're in there all the time. They have a Starbucks, the only Starbucks close. So I'm there quite often. <laughs> and she went on to explain that she had a friend in Morristown who'd been out of church for many, many years. And she simply asked if we would try to connect with her. And things began to unfold, and we reached out to her. And it took some time because nothing happens quickly in East Tennessee. Absolutely nothing. Amen, Brother Merrill? Amen. Yes, nothing happens quickly. So it took a little while, but we were able to meet this sweet lady named Patricia. Patricia's life had been incredibly hard, but she at one time had had a relationship with the Lord. We began to befriend her, and it took some time. We went to her home. We fellowshiped with her. We built a relationship with her. In May, she was scheduled for surgery, so we went to her house to visit and pray with her. And during that time, the Holy Ghost filled her apartment. And she began to weep and cry and speak in a language that only heaven can give you. And she, she prayed for several minutes. And she hugged us. And she said, I've prayed so long for you to come.
she didn't know who she was praying for or where they were going to come from. But she was desperate for God to send somebody that would speak life into an incredibly broken situation that would give her hope. And since that time, God has ministered in her life. He is blessing her. He is blessing her children. Every service, almost every service that she comes, she's bringing someone with her because she has realized that what she had in the world was brokenness. It was emptiness. It was nothing compared to what Jesus could give. And so today I want to challenge you. Somewhere, someone is praying for you to come. Someone is praying for you to reach out to them. And it may not entail you moving 600 plus miles from home. It may just mean crossing your street or talking to that coworker or listening to that lady at Walmart. But somewhere, someone is praying for you to reach them with the gospel. And I want to thank you, Grace Church, for supporting us as we go to where God has called us, to where someone was praying for us to come. Thank you so much. God bless you this morning. We love you. Thank you for your prayers. Praise the Lord. I, I concur with what uh, Sister Christy has just said. And uh, it is wonderful to be in the will of God and to be where God has called us to be. I, too, want to give honor today to Pastor and Sister Murphy for all that they've uh, blessed us over the years, poured into us, given us, instructed us, taught us, uh, teaching moments. And some of them um, were not as pleasant as others, but uh, it forged us and prepared us for what uh, God has called us to do in all of those conversations, all of those, uh, all the instruction is without value now. And I appreciate it so very much. So I give honor to them. Also give honor to these great men of God that sit on the platform and uh, wonderful men. And uh, God uses those men mightily, and I appreciate that so much. I also give honor to the music department and Sister Casey. And uh, I told Brother Dave, during the music, I leaned over and I said, don't ever take this for granted. It doesn't exist everywhere. And uh, so we give honor to them and to this great church. We give honor to you. And, of course, I have to give honor to my wife. Isn't she awesome? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And uh, I also uh, give honor to my two sons, Joshua and Micah. Without them, what we're doing would not be possible. And uh, Micah does all of our media. He changes the slides during the song. He makes sure the announcements gets put up. He does all of that. Our uh, Sister Chrissy's already described what our media booth looks like. And Joshua is our usher. They both greet people at the door, hold umbrellas when it's raining, all of that stuff. So they're very involved, and we appreciate that. Praise the Lord. And... Uh, As you stand this morning, I also want to say that I appreciate Pastor and Sister Murphy's heartbeat and passion for missions. Uh, it's evident by the number of people that have gone out of this church into different missions endeavors.
and we appreciate their heart for missions. That's something that was instilled in us. Yes, we do line the chairs up, and yes, we're worried about the details, and uh, we have a long way to go, but we're taking steps to get there, but uh, I appreciate more than anything the, the heart of, of missions, the heartbeat of missions in this church. And so one of the first things that we wanted to do uh, when we finally became a licensed, sanctioned church in the state of Tennessee, which incidentally is Lakeway UPC, uh, we have a website if you'd like to check that out. We'll update it periodically. But we wanted to support a missionary. And uh, so one of the first things that we did was took on a PIM missionary, and uh, that's brother and sister Beak, and they're missionaries to the U.K. We got to have dinner with them, wonderful people. And so the mission's vision goes on, and we're 100% behind it, and we thank you for your support of missions. Thank you for supporting us. Praise the Lord. I have a uh, message I'd like to preach this morning. I promise I won't take a long time. Said no preacher ever. But I would like to call your attention to the book of Isaiah, chapter 38. Isaiah chapter 38, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go, and say, unto, uh, say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And notice verse 7. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which has gone down on the sundial of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees, by which degrees it was gone down. The writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick, was recovered of his sickness. Skipping down to verse 22, we find out why God gave Hezekiah this sign. The Bible says, Hezekiah also had said, What is the sign that I shall go up unto the house of the Lord? Hezekiah asked for a sign. I want to speak for you just a few moments this morning on this subject. Faith to live beyond the map. Faith to live beyond the map. Would you pray with me one more time this morning? Heavenly Father, we worship you. God, we're here to honor you, to lift you up, to magnify and to glorify you. You are so wonderful. You are so marvelous. And we ask today that you would speak 
to our hearts and our minds, that we would be open and receptive to what it is you would say to us and challenge us today. By the Word of God, we believe in you, God. We put our faith in you, our confidence in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. You didn't ask for it. You didn't do anything to receive it. There was no way that you could earn it. God has gave you a measure of faith. Everybody say, I have faith. God did not exclude you when he was handing out faith. God did not say that you will get no faith when this person will get a lot of faith. But he gave to everybody a measure. We're not given the amount of that measure or if it is measured out equally among each person. But we do know that God gave everybody a measure of faith. Faith is important to God. It was in the discourse that Jesus had with Peter when he said, Peter, Satan has desired to have you, to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't tell Peter that I have prayed that your flesh fail not. He didn't tell Peter that I have prayed that your commitment doesn't fail. He never said anything about Peter's hope or Peter's joy. He never said anything about Peter's confidence. But what he did say is, I want you, Peter, to understand I'm praying for your faith. Because I know in just a short period of time, Peter, you're going to stand around a little campfire and you're going to deny me and your faith is, or your, your flesh is going to fail. And I know that your confidence in my kingdom is going to fail. And I know that your hope and your joy may fail and you're going to run out weeping and you're going to be bitter. But Peter, if you'll understand, if your faith doesn't fail, then your faith will pick you up when your flesh fails. Your faith will cause you to stand up when there's no more confidence. Your faith When something happens that comes into your life, it will cause you to continue to move forward. Because you have faith, it picks you up after failure. I want to talk about faith real quick for just a moment. I have a much longer introduction than I do a message this morning. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 is an interesting scripture setting in that Jesus identifies faith as something, and I want to Touch on it real quick. Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of what? Mustard seed. You shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, I don't believe that Jesus said things haphazardly. I believe that Jesus understood the gravity and the weight of the words that he would speak. That humanity after his life would hang on those words and and our 
our faith would be in the words that Jesus spoke. So I believe that Jesus chose his words very carefully. And so when he used the illustration of the mustard seed, I don't believe that was an accident, but I believe it was on purpose that he chose those very words. Now there's some things about the mustard seed that Jesus knew back then, but nobody else did. But since then, science has discovered it. And there's three of those things that I want to talk about real briefly. First of all, did you know that of all the plants in the world, the mustard is the only plant that does not cross-pollinate? In other words, when your faith is compared to a mustard seed, what Jesus is saying is that your faith doesn't cross-pollinate with anything else. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but if you plant jalapeno pepper plants among your tomatoes, you get spicy tomatoes. Do you know why that happens? It's called, it's called cross-pollination. Because of that cross-pollination, some of the characteristics of the jalapeno transfer the, to, to the tomato. Okay? You got that? Jesus said your faith is like a mustard seed in that it doesn't cross-pollinate. In other words, your fear doesn't contaminate your faith. In other words, your worry and your doubt doesn't cross-pollinate with your faith and cause it to take on the characteristics of your doubt. Your faith doesn't cross-pollinate with anything. I wonder if Jesus had it in his mind when he talked about the parable of the wheat and the tares, how they grew up together, but he understood that even though the tare would grow like wheat, it would never bear fruit. And Jesus said when the reapers come in, they would take the tares and throw them away, but they would still get the fruit. I want to tell you, as your faith grows, uh, you may have doubt. You may have fear. There may be some circumstance that calls you to bite your fingernails, and you get a little bit intimidated, and you get a little bit scared. It's okay. Let your faith grow with it and your faith will produce the fruit in its season. It will not cross-pollinate with your faith. The second thing is the mustard seed is the only seed in the world right now that scientists knows, that know of that cannot be genetically modified. Y'all have heard of genetic modification? It's when you take the attributes of one thing and put it into another and you manipulate the gene so it doesn't appear to be what it used to be and originally was. Mustard cannot be genetically modified. It cannot be added to or taken away from its attributes. The Bible says that God gave to each one of us a measure of faith. It is a God-given gift. It is a God-sourced gift. And I want you to know this morning that your faith has the fingerprints of God all over it. It's still His genetic makeup. It cannot be changed by your circumstance. It cannot be changed by your situation. It cannot be changed by your failure. Sin doesn't change it. Worry doesn't change it. Nobody else can change it. 
You can't change it. Your faith is just as pure today as it was the day God gave it to you because it cannot be genetically modified by any enemy and by anybody. Moving quickly, the mustard seed. That word that is interpreted mustard seed comes from a root word meaning pain or hurt. So what Jesus was saying there that day, if somehow in all of our pain and all of our hurt, we could grow our faith to the size of our pain and our hurt, then nothing would ever stop you. No devil in hell could ever stop you. No pain in the past would ever stop you. Our faith would overcome our obstacle. So in our text this morning, King Hezekiah is dying, and Isaiah, the prophet, comes in and gives him the word of God. Boy, you're going to die, and you're not going to live. Wow. Thank you, preacher, for giving me some good news. How would you like that sentence passed? From God himself. That's it. You're done. You're out of here. Get your house set. You're not going to recover. But the Bible says that Hezekiah turned and faced the wall. Before Isaiah was gone too far, God spoke to him again and said, Go back in there and tell him, I've heard his prayer and I've seen his tears and I'm going to add 15 years to his life. And and I'm, I'm going to talk about Hezekiah a little more towards the end of the message. But what I want to point out about Hezekiah is that this same prophet that walked into his room and said, Hezekiah, you're going to die, thus saith the Lord. What did Hezekiah do? Face the wall and pray. Good thing to do. When the same prophet, Isaiah, walks into the room again and said, Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, he's going to add 15 years to his life, The Bible says in verse 22, Hezekiah asked for a sign. Why is it, as human people, we are so quick to put our faith in our doom and not put our faith in our God? As soon as we get the doctor's report, I'm guilty. Look, we worry as human. Stress is human. It's all okay. Let it grow with your faith. Your faith will produce fruit. The rest of it won't if you use your faith. Why is it so easy for us when doom is pronounced against us to reach up and say, I believe it. Bless God, I'm just, this is my lot in life. It's just to be whatever. And a preacher gets up here and is pounding the pulpit saying there's more to life than where you're at. God can heal you. God can bless you. And we're like, well, I sure wish God would give me a sign. If you have faith for the negative, all you have to do is turn your faith. There was a children's book. Somebody told me this. I don't know the name of the book, but somebody told me this. In this children's book, it says, if you believe, if you say I can, or if you say I can't, either way, you're right. 
If you have faith that you can, you can. And if you have faith that you can't, you won't. Do we understand? So Hezekiah asked for a sign of his life, but never asked for a sign of his death. We don't need a sign of our doom. We don't need to believe the doctor every time, as we heard a while ago in the case of Dawson. We don't need to believe the banker every time. We don't need to believe the politicians. We need to start taking our faith away from our doom and start placing our faith in our God, who is the author of our life. Praise the Lord. Somebody clap your hands unto Jesus and tell him how wonderful he is. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. I'm going to bring it into the New Testament. This is an interesting, interesting scripture setting to me. Verse 22 of Luke chapter 8. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he, talking about Jesus, fell asleep. And there came a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came unto him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water. And they obeyed him. I want to tell you this morning, when Jesus asked that question, Where is your faith? Jesus did not ask them because he thought they lost it. He didn't ask them, Where is your faith? Because he thought that maybe they had dropped it that day, getting in the boat and it fell in the water. What he was doing is identifying to the disciples that I understand that right now you are manifesting your faith. You are showing your faith. But where is it? What are you manifesting in it? What are you believing in? What do you got your confidence in? And it is identified in the chapter before, on the verse before, when it says, Master, we perish. That's what they believed as they were going to die. They believed they were going doomed. They believed it was all over with. They just simply didn't have their faith in Jesus. Their faith. He wanted them to understand it and identify it, that their faith was in their doom. We perish. When life was laying in the boat, I've oftentimes thought there's no way that boat would have gone down if they had really believed who Jesus really was. They would have known that. Jesus couldn't die before his appointed time. Somehow, even if they would have just hung on to him, if the boat had sank, they'd have been okay. You're going to be okay. Well, I thought I'd get one amen. If you'll hold on to Jesus, you're going to be okay. I know it looks bad now. Hold on. They had not lost their faith, but they had just simply misplaced it. They placed it in the wrong thing, and that was their demise. 
They went to Jesus and said, we perish, we die. It was their demise and their destruction that they had faith in. So today, where is your faith? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I may get done a little bit early and beat everybody to the restaurant. We've learned that at home. If we don't get out by a certain time, all the churches, get, other churches get out at a, the same time. If we don't get out a little bit earlier, we have to wait for a table. And I don't like to wait for a table. By that time, I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Look at this. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I want to tell you this morning, your faith was never given to you by God to believe in your doom. It was never given to you by God to believe in what the doctor said. It was never given to you by God to believe what the politician said. It was never given to you by God to believe what old negative Nelly says and your neighbor and Momo and all of those other people. It was given to you by God to believe what God said. And he said, you've got life by your faith. Uh, sweetheart, you're not going down. You're going up. You're not destined for failure. You're destined for success. I'm not concerned about your prognosis or your diagnosis. I'm concerned about your faith in God who's a healer and who can set you free. Hallelujah. You're not on your way out, but you're on your way up. Your faith hasn't been diminished by your fear. You say, oh, Brother Merrill, but you don't understand my past. The DNA of your faith was never destroyed. It was never tainted. It's never been destroyed or to be changed by your sin or by your failure or by anything else. Your faith is just as pure today. And if you can somehow take your faith and move it from belief in your doom to belief in your God, your situation will change because you can say to the mountain, the thing that's standing before you, be thou removed and cast into the sea then it will happen the enemy hasn't corrupted your faith he's not that good you haven't corrupted your faith you're not that good what has always been won't always be Too many people, I'm going to sound a little bit negative here, and I don't mean to. I'm fixing to get to my message for five more minutes, and then we'll be just about done. But too many people die the whole time they're living. They die the whole time they're alive. Every time you talk, you ever met anybody, and every time you talk to them, it's one horrible situation right after another? Uh, there's people, I don't even ask how you doing. I just say, it's good to see you today. 
Because if you ask them how they're doing, 30 minutes later, you'll regret it. Kind of reminds me of the story about a preacher walking down the road, saw a guy going to jump off a bridge. Walked up to him and said, I'm a pastor. I'd love to talk to you. Would you just give me a chance? Said, yep. He said, the preacher said, let's just walk around the block, tell me all your trouble. So they did. When they got back, they both jumped off the bridge. But it's negative, and it's horrible, and it's tragic. Sister Christy talked about a lady a while ago in her life, and it's been horrible. Things that's happened, choices she's made, choices other people made that she didn't have any control over. Things have been bad, as bad as it's been. Standing in her living room, I could take you to the spot. A couple of months ago, those hands went in the air. And there was a faith inside. It was still pure. It had not not been genetically modified, and it had not cross-pollinated. Through all the hurt and the pain and the fear, those hands went up. And that same Holy Ghost came down and refilled her and has changed her life. Do you know why? She took her faith out of her doom. And she placed her faith in her God. So Paul says we live. Everybody say, I live. This time say it with some conviction. I live through faith. In the early 1200s, the infamous leader of the mongrel army, Genghis Khan was conquering all of that known part of the world and he had the best maps that that the time would offer him and but not all of the world had been explored by then and and so he had conquered all the known territory and it is said that it came a day that one of his leaders came up to him and said that we've conquered all the land on the map now what do we do And Genghis Khan supposedly looked at that leader and said, March beyond the map. March to new territory. March to some place you've never been. In Joshua chapter 13, Joshua is commanded by God to get up, even though he's old, and to take the rest of the promised land. And there's a whole sermon in that. But to take the land that you've never had, to go beyond the map, to get outside of your comfort zone, to get outside, Joshua, of where you live, to get outside of what you know, to get outside of where you've, you've spent your time in your life. See, Joshua had planned it all out, much like some of us do. Have you anybody got your life planned? You know, they tell you get three-year, five-year. Thank you, Noah. Incidentally, I heard about your singing. Good job, buddy. But we put together plans. You know, when we get married, we have it all planned out. I'm going to work the next 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, whatever it is. I'll never quit working, whatever it is. Then I'm going to, and that's, we're going to travel the nation, and, and I'm putting money up for this, and I have this planned out, and this and that, and we had it all planned. And then something comes in. And we've got our life mapped out, and something comes in and just messes it all up. 
you know that unexpected event? And you go, man, I really wasn't planning for this. It happened to Christy and I. We got the unexpected event back in uh, July, or I'm sorry, in April of 2003 when Josh was born three months early. It was unplanned. It wasn't on the map. We were expecting it, everything to go normal. But sometimes things just happen that it's not on our life map. And what do we do? We have to march beyond the life map then. into new territory, into new places that God has never taken us. You're right, Heather, in your, in your uh, testimony this morning. You go places you've never been. And you go places in faith because circumstances will take you there. And so you get outside and you begin to march beyond the map. But I want to let you know this morning, for every unexpected mess, there's an unexpected miracle. For every unexpected situation, there is an unexpected solution. And there's faith to live beyond the map. Hezekiah, if you'll stand with me this morning, I'll conclude. No doubt Hezekiah did not plan on his sickness. In Hezekiah's life map, he didn't expect to get a prophet to visit him and to say, you're dead. He didn't expect to have an incurable disease and realize that this was going to spell the end of his life. It was an unexpected situation that came to him. But Hezekiah, laying on that bed, something welled up on the inside of him. And he said, maybe he said in his mind, prophet, I hear what you're saying and I know it's the word of God. And yes, I'm outside of my comfort zone, and I'm outside of what I had planned for my life. You see, Isaiah, I have some things yet I want to do. I have some goals I want to accomplish. I, some things in the kingdom I need to get done. I've got tax reform on the, on the agenda, and there's a situation over here. I've got to get that done. So this really doesn't meet and fit into my life plan. And so this unexpected event, Isaiah, it's really not working for me. But instead of Hezekiah, and he did for a moment, because he asked for a sign of his healing. But instead, Isaiah turned and faced the wall, and he said, God, my faith is still in you. When I've just received the most tragic news, God, I'm still going to talk to you about it. I'm not in the map of my life. I'm not where I plan to be, God. I didn't really want this situation, God. I really didn't need it, but it's here. But I'm not going to focus on my doom. 
I'm not going to focus on my destruction. I'm not going to focus on what has been said to me. It's my future and my destiny. But rather, God, than to believe everything, even that the prophet just spoke in your name, I'm going to turn and face a wall. And I'm going to plead my cause one more time. Because, God, I know that you're awesome and that you're merciful and that you're gracious and that you're compassionate. And so though Hezekiah's life was outside of his map, he still had faith for his life. And so this morning, there may be people here that are facing something that was unplanned. It's outside. It's beyond the map. It's beyond the comfort zone. It's beyond where you've ever been before. This is not what you planned on. But can I tell you, take your faith and place it in God for your life. Because Paul said, I live this life in my flesh because of my faith in Jesus Christ. You're going to live. Now, I understand I'm not preaching pie in the sky and that nothing bad ever. I understand that. Hold on to Jesus. Don't lose your faith. And though you get worried And though you get stressed, and though there's anxiety about the things that's happened and the things that's been said and what the doctor says and what the attorney says and what all these people say, I understand it. We look at our country and we wonder how it can ever be fixed. And we look at our world and we think it's all too. Let me just tell you, don't have faith in the doom. Take your faith and say, God, I believe. No matter how bad it gets, I still have faith for my life in you. And that's where the miracle happens. And that's where God added life to King Hezekiah. So as they sing this morning, this is a custom that we have begun at Lakeway UPC. At the conclusion of every service, we invite everybody to come. Come around the front and we pray for them and we worship with them. Thank you, Grace, for establishing that custom. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite everybody. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. If you're looking for a church home, I can tell you this now. If you're looking for a church home, this is where you need to be. But if you have something this morning that has you outside the map of your life, would you come this morning and determine in your heart that I'm going to take my faith out of my doom. I'm going to quit believing that I perish. I'm going to quit believing that this is the end, but that it is just the beginning of the next chapter of my life in my faith with God. Would you come this morning, and we're going to pray for you that God would minister as only He can. Hallelujah. Let's exercise our faith this morning.
Hallelujah.